We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you midweek on a Wednesday. Uh, very special guest today, someone who has been on this pod uh, several times before. I've been on his pod. Um, we've collaborated on several things over the years. We uh, used to work together once upon a time at Knicks Sports Illustrated. Um, he's a great guy and uh, an even better Knicks content creator. Uh, Alex Wolf um, joins me and we have our usual brand of conversation. We hit a little bit of everything. We talk a little bit about uh, the last year in Knicks content creation and obviously get into a lot of basketball stuff. Talk about the playoffs, talk about um, what the Knicks might do in the draft. It's a wide ranging conversation that I um, find you'll probably enjoy because it's two people who spend entirely too much time uh, thinking about uh, writing about and uh, discussing this team. So um, it's always good when we get together. Um, no real uh, news uh, to report ahead of the episode. I'm actually sitting recording this. It's uh, towards the end of the third quarter of the Suns and um, Clippers game. So if anything crazy happens uh, in the last 14 or so minutes and you're wondering why I'm not talking about it, well, um, I'm letting you know now and we're just recording it now. Um, although I guess I can comment on the fact that campaign uh, or Cameron Payne, I don't know if he prefers to be called by his his full uh, name or if he likes the abbreviation uh, sure seems to be going off in these playoffs and especially so far in these Western Conference finals he's up to I don't know does he have 30 points yet he's up in the high 20s uh, I'll tell you man this uh, 
this upcoming free agency is uh, is going to be interesting um, because there are there are some names, man. There are, there are some names that maybe we didn't expect to be there, but that are going to make things a little bit more interesting. I, I am going to be curious to see how much further this campaign story goes, uh, especially since it looks like Chris Paul is going to be making his return in game three. So uh, that's that's interesting. I guess the other bit of news is that um, the draft lottery took place. Um, the Knicks, thankfully, were not a part of it so that we were not all waited, waiting on, on bated breath as far as what envelopes um, Mark Tatum was going to you know pull in, in, in what order. Um, I don't really have much to say about the lottery. I mean, good for the Pistons, I guess, if you care about, you know, crappy organizations getting a little stroke of luck. Um, I think there's some some interesting ramifications for in terms of how the the top of the lottery shook out in terms of how the the Knicks may be able to um, swoop in for a trade. Um, there are a couple of things that I'll be writing about in, in Wednesday's uh, KFS newsletter. Um, I think Cleveland getting to three is interesting because they have Colin Sexton and um, Darius Garland on their roster right now. And whether it's Jalen Suggs or, um, or uh, Jalen Green, um, either of those two guys, I, 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 who I am guessing will be there because I think we all think that Evan Mobley is going to go second to the Rockets. Um, you know, I, it doesn't really make sense to add either of those guys to uh, a roster with, with Sexton and Garland on it. Does this mean that Cleveland pushes Colin Sexton further out into the trade market? Uh, perhaps should the Knicks be interested? I mean, Never say never. I'm not a huge fan of the player, at least at what he's going to wind up costing on his next contract. But I suppose if the price is cheap enough. Um, but uh, so, yeah, that's something to to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be some trade up scenarios involving some of the teams, maybe at the bottom half of the top 10. Um, the. New Orleans Pelicans at the 10th spot in particular interest me just because there are just so many machinations that I could see working between those two teams. Um, But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So Uh, anyway, that's enough for me. Uh, Let us get to my conversation with Alex Wolf. All right. Joining me now on the next film school podcast. Um, I'm a little nervous because I, I just I hate when I have uh, podcast guests who are, you know, podcasting is really unfamiliar to them. And uh, I'm worried they're not going to know what they're doing and going to screw up and like, you know, talk over me. So this person, I'm going to give it a shot because I, you know, I, I trust him. Um, <laughs> he is, he is uh, God, what is this? Probably the fourth or fifth, sixth time you've been on this pod. Um, I don't know. Something. Why are we counting? Why are we I don't counting? know. You know? Um, I do. I do yours. You do mine. Um, he is the host of Locked On Knicks, uh, and he is also um, the. What is your official Strickland title? I, I go by like, editor in chief, which is probably much more. It's either too much or too little as a title. I don't know. I don't know which. It's too graphic. little because it's like when I think of the Strickland, I think of Alex Wolf, who is who is joining <laughs> me right now. Hello, sir. How are What's you? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Um, it's uh, what is today? It's June Tuesday. 22nd. 
<laughs> the season's been over for draft lottery day, which normally would be like a national holiday for us. I know. Right. I, I do you care. I care. Like I'm just I curious. Mean, as like an NBA fan. I'm curious. Yeah. I care in so far as just like, Oh, who's getting Kate Cunningham is going to be a team. I hate is going to be a team. I like, I want to see the rockets drop so I can laugh at them. Um, <laughs> I want to see the thunder somehow simultaneously also not do well just cause I don't like them. Basically, it's a bunch of teams I don't like. I can't even really think of a single team in the lottery that if they won it, I'd be like, cool, that's the team that I want to see succeed. I just, I don't like any of them. We're, we're above them now. They're the, they're the lower class. We are upper class Knicks fans now. I guess I want an inept franchise to win the lottery, right? Because then Cade will be wasted, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then can eventually force his way to the Knicks. I mean, I, I don't know. I literally couldn't even tell you the, the odds of some of these teams. So I'm just looking now. All right, teams that I would be okay winning it. Cleveland, I, like that's the obvious one. I, I don't want Cleveland to win it, though. I'm still salty that they got like three top picks <laughs> after LeBron left. Actually, um, you know why I don't want Cleveland to win it? Because I did the whole... Uh, Colin Sexton newsletter um, a few weeks ago, and it I came away being like, I really don't want to pay Colin Sexton's next contract. And if they get Kate Cunningham, then there's immediately going to be like, oh, where is Colin Sexton getting traded to? Talk. And- yeah, I think okay, the teams that I would be okay winning it, Detroit maybe. I I wouldn't hate that. That's fine. Uh, San Antonio would be kind of cool. No, like, it's, I, I like San Antonio. That's give fine. them their next Duncan, I guess. Uh, See, but yeah. that's unfair. Yeah, I mean, but it, when was the last time they won? It was Duncan, you know. And this, but it, it also, I see what you're saying. Like, but the, this is the first time so they sucked in so long, and they would have know. gotten three of the top ten number one picks of the last like 35 years. That's potentially. I mean, we'll see what KB. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, it's really it's not that many when you think about it. But given the amount of times they've even been in the lottery, I guess that's a really high conversion percentage. It, they've only um, been in the lottery those two times, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And last, well, last year they year. were as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and then, I don't know. I mean, Orlando, I'm just kind of indifferent on. So if they win it, cool. Good for them. I mean, yeah. that could be entertaining, I guess. Yeah. No, those, they get, those they really get healthy with Isaac and Fultz, and then they have Cade. Uh, that could be kind of cool. I'd be um, down for watching that team. That would be kind of fun. Um, yeah, like all the rest of the teams I hate, I want them all to lose. Somehow I want all the, the teams to not end up in the top five. I, I don't know how that can work out. See, we just we just psyched ourselves into being excited for this. Um, so <laughs> yeah, in, a, in a negative way. <laughs> yeah. What, what other reason could there be? So um, we're going to talk some some offseason basketball uh, with Nick's stuff in a bit. But before we get there, I just I want to spend a minute um, on – so you have a podcast, you do it five days a week. Um, mm-hmm. You are the hardest working man in show business. Um, and this year was like, this year was quite a year. I'm curious now with a couple weeks to reflect, not forget about like the, the basketball side of it, but just like, what are your, I don't know if I want to say like, what are your memories of this season? That Not really that, but like, what are your having just lived through this and it was, it was tiring at times. It was exciting at times. It was all of these, all of these things. Like, where are you at right now in terms of like looking back on it all? Uh, I'm still pretty exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering Um, if you're going to be honest or you're going to lie. No, I mean, I'm being straight. I mean, I'm sure you are too. Um, I mean, the, 
the very end, like those last couple games of the Hawks series, when it was pretty much like, like once they went, I guess I really, the only point where it was truly like doomsday was when they went down three, one. So I guess it was kind of just like the last game of the Hawks series, which yeah. ironically enough was the one that I attended. So I should have been like mega excited. I was like extremely at peace with the season ending right there because I was like down three, one, there's almost no chance that they're going to win this series. <laughs> So yeah. I'm kind of just ready for it to be done at this point. If it's going to be done, it's been a fun ride. I need a rest. Um, I mean, it was a lot this year, like launching the new website, doing all the work that that entailed, which, you know, I wrote a lot of the game previews, which, you know, weren't all the most in-depth thing you'd ever want to read. It was a lot of them were kind of mailed in, if I'm being honest. Um, oh, yeah, but, but you're, <laughs> hold on. Your mailing it in is like, Better than better than some people's regular thing. I know. Not I mean, some people. It's I, <laughs> let's listen. I'm just caught on. I'll toot my own horn a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even me mailing it in is still pretty decent. So, um, you know, I I wrote a lot of those. I, I would edit everything that went up on the site, you know, and then locked on Nick's. Yeah, five days a week. Uh, sometimes we were putting out six, seven, eight shows in a week, depending on if things went extra parts or whatever. We were doing um, weekly chats on. Uh, green room nay locker room that we would put up uh which what's it gonna were, be next week we make it blue room yeah Yellow room? <laughs> but those were those were a lot of fun um you know it was it was a fun season all in all i think that's my my grand takeaway I, it's probably the i mean prior to this season i would have said my my most fun season was the 12 13 season and that was so different for me because back then i hadn't so 12-13 season was my first year out of college, so I was still trying to make it in, like, legacy media or whatever. Mm. And so I was, like, writing, like, high school sports and stuff, but I hadn't gotten into this, like, blogging stuff yet and or podcasting or anything like that. So at that point in time, I was able to kind of just enjoy the whole season as a fan. And I still did roughly the same thing that I did this season as far as watching almost every game, like, yeah. you know, being glued to the TV every time the Knicks were on. It was, like, appointment television. Um and, you know, I, I did most of the same things this year, but obviously with the added bit of, you know, editing recaps, writing recaps, doing post-game pods, doing this, doing that, you know, like 10 different things after every single game adds to the exhaustion a little bit with it, but it was, it was all in all fun. And I mean, it was rewarding, you know, it, I, I'm glad that this season went the way it went because putting in all this work in another you know, 22 win season or whatever wouldn't have been nearly as fun. So I, it, it was at least fun along the way. You know, I'm happy you use the word rewarding while speaking about how tiring and hard it was at times, because I, I don't know, I'm sure there's some very eloquent saying about uh, nothing. You, you Nothing is going to feel rewarding if it's easy. Like you can't, mm. you know, and there is a saying about that. What is it? Uh, I don't know. Nothing. It's, uh, Nothing like, that comes not, easy is not, worth, nothing worth having comes easy or something like that. Some, yeah, it's something like that. Whatever. Use your imagination, <laughs> listeners. But like, you know, this has easily been the most rewarding year of my life. Um, and but at the same and it's God knows it was fun. I mean, just anybody go watch any of my post games. I was having a blast. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you know, there were. I would wake up on the morning of a game day and let's say it was like, especially like, you know, a nine o'clock game or something or like a nine thirty game. And I'd be like, okay, so I got my day and then I'm going to come home and then I got to get a nap and then watch the game. And then you got the recording afterwards and then you got the newsletter and then hopefully 
I get four hours of sleep and what do I have tomorrow? Oh yeah, I have that, that, and that. Um, and then it's a back to back and it's, and it, you know, dude, you with the newsletter, man, I, you would talk about like, like hardworking dude. Like, I don't know how you do that because I mean, that's you literally, you do, you would do what I did. And then instead of editing someone else's stuff, you would be writing your own like 12 to 1200 word, whatever recap plus, you know, thoughts for the week ahead and all this other shit. I don't, I don't know how you managed, man, but kudos. to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- th- no, but look, you, you don't do this stuff unless you love it. I know you love, we've <laughs> talked about this a lot. You love it. I love it. I mean, it's, you have to love it. Um, and you loved it so much. And the last thing before we move on to talking about basketball, you love it enough to, to have created um, a website, mm-hmm. which is not something a lot of people can say that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I guess any idiot can create a website, but like you actually created a website that is awesome. And <laughs> um, the Strickland, like the quality of the content always being so high and always looking so good, mm. hat tip to uh, whoever might be responsible for the, the graphics and whatnot. That would be, that'll be John Schulman, also known as Stingy, or I, though, on Twitter did most of our graphics throughout the year. He, he has taken a step back and I've, I've now done most of the graphics since the season ended. I was so, about to say you, you've yeah. been doing a lot of this stuff. So that's why yeah. I was, I was throwing you a little, little shout yeah, throw, um, throw me a bone. Throw me a bone. Yeah. No, but like graphic designer as well. That's on my resume. <laughs> you, you were ambitious enough to want to do it and you did it. Um, so one year are we, when, what is, what is the one year anniversary of the Strickland? It launched in, Last year's draft lottery, which oh, did, right. which obviously wasn't congruent with this year's, so it was like August eighteenth or something like that. Okay. So yeah, I forget the year. exact date. Um, it's coming up. Two what, months. What, what was that like um, what, what, from that perspective, specifically launching a website? It was something you'd recommend other people to do? Um, it was really stressful. Um, like the lead up to it, I felt like I was constantly behind deadline, probably because I was. Um, there was a lot of. Uh, wondering if I had everything ready to rock before we were going to launch. Um, you know, I had a lot of doubts of, of if I was totally ready for it or not. Um, and I also, I mean, I hope it shows through, but I, I hold, I, I don't want to put out crap. So I wasn't going to launch it unless I could do it and make it look good enough that it would look like something professional. Like we were coming literally from SB nation, which I mean, for as much as their company kind of sucks in their business practices, which is why we left, um, it, you know, they they put out, I think, really nice looking websites. Um, they're clean. They have good comment sections. It's like almost like at least from posting to posting where we are coming from. It's like a vibrant, like social network almost in and of itself. And I don't know if we fully captured that. We've been trying to kind of get people to comment on the site more and stuff um, to have that sort of like community aspect to it. But from a looks perspective, I think we at least did our job of making it look good. There may even be some changes to that coming up, um, which I'll just hint at. It's very much in progress, but like I'm trying to do a little bit of a redesign to make things even more intuitive, hopefully um, in the coming months. But yeah, it was, I mean, as far as what I recommend it, like if you feel like you want to do it, then sure. Be prepared to put up a good amount of, uh, work with no little to no return, like monetarily <laughs> at yeah. least. 
um, and, you know, find some really cool people to work with. Because if, if I was trying to do it all on my own, making a website like that and making it look as good as it did, um, I probably would have gone insane, which I almost did like a few times during the season, even with all the help. So, you know, it's, it's just a lot of upkeep, a lot of maintenance and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was different, but I, you know, again, we get back to the overall theme. Like it was rewarding. I, I find that, you know, I feel pretty good about what we did this past year. We just launched our draft coverage, which I spent a lot of time making a big board and stuff for, um, and our draft guys spend a lot of time actually doing the work behind that big board to rank their players, write a bunch of profiles and stuff. That's awesome. And, yeah, we launched with a bunch of profiles. We're going to have tons of profiles coming out, you know, as the draft approaches. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's all turned out really good. It's just, it's been different. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not like a coder or anything. So it's been a lot of like learning how to work around my, um, my websites, uh, my website providers, like limitations and whatever of like how to build a site that looks like what I want it to be and, and is in the style that I want it to be, given the limitations of like the, the website builder and all that stuff. Um, but it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of frustration at the beginning when you're learning how to use all these different tools that are in there. But I don't know, maybe maybe I'll, I'll turn into a web developer at some point now, too. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I'll just take some coding courses and I can just make one from the ground up next because I, mean, I would love to I would love to make it even better. I guess it's the main thing. I just I keep I keep trying to find ways to make the site better at all times. And that's kind of the, the fun part of it. No, man, it, it's damn good. I, I, and if you can make it better, kudos to you, because I certainly wouldn't um, be able to think of a way to make it better. Um, that you mentioned the draft. Um, that's as good a transition as any. So obviously the Knicks aren't taking play, part in the lottery. Um, they're going to have some draft picks. Um, they're also going to have a lot of money to spend. Um, we've been, I think me and you both have spent large parts of the last six months talking about how this year was so great because it was so important to get the label of like LOL Knicks away from the franchise. And now here we are and we're at the summer, right? We're at the summer and we have all of these tools at our disposal. Um, and I've been on like a few podcasts and like people have asked me and, and like Twitter and whatnot, like who's your top guy you want from the draft and like, who's your top free agent and like this and that. And I find myself and I, and this is what I want to start out by asking you. I am like, very indifferent towards the specifics of what I want them to do. And it's more like, if you ask me like map out, like a few people have asked me to write in the newsletter, like map out your ideal off season. And I've tried to sit down and like, think about it like a few times. And like, I don't even know that I have an answer. I just, I, I know I want them to be smart. I know I want them to be somewhat frugal. I know I want them to stay somewhat flexible. I'd like them to get better. Um, other than that, like, where are you at in terms of just like your general mindset heading into the offseason? Like, do you have specifics that you want from them or are you just like kind of more like me? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I'd like to address certain parts of the team, you know, more so than others. Like, obviously, if they if they go out of their way to draft like another power forward, <laughs> I want to be like why, <laughs> you know, cause you I think kinda, everybody's going to be like, why? Yeah. Cause, or even just a big in general, you know, if they go out of their way to, to like say trade up or something short of someone like falling that you wouldn't expect. Like I, I was just, <laughs> I was talking to, I, I briefly talked to uh, Chris on, on Twitter yesterday about, cause he mm -hmm. put up a hypothetical of like, 
you know, if you're in this situation and somehow they're both available at 19, who do you take? And it was Sharif Cooper or Jonathan Kuminga. And I'm like, you obviously take freaking Kuminga. Like he's the top five pick type for a reason. Like he's a freak athlete. He's 18 years old. I mean, yeah. he's got all the tools. He just needs refinement. And I'm, you literally I'm pretty hired. sure Kuminga's not, not dropping 19. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, but so let's say, let's say a situation arose where he fell to like 10 or 11 yeah. or something. And the Knicks like gave up all three of their picks to move up and trade him, take him. I, you know, I wouldn't be disappointed. I wouldn't be mad. I would think that would be a smart move, even though he's sort of redundant, you know, because at the NBA level, he'll probably play like mostly a four, you know? Yeah. And so you figure, okay, well, how does that jive with Julius Randle, Obi Toppin, et cetera. But sometimes you just got to take the best talent and just figure it out from there. But, you know, if they would go out of their way to like go after, like I'm looking at the board now. Um, I mean, there's I in terms of bigs, there's like, there's Jackson, obviously from Kentucky who there is yeah. Kentucky connection, CAA connection. Um, I'm thinking like maybe if it was like Jalen Johnson or something. Who I'm not yeah, well, like, Johnson's what? yeah, he's a four. I mean, Harrison Bar- uh, Harrison Barnes, Scotty um, Barnes, Scotty yeah. Barnes. Like if uh, if one of those two fell and the Knicks went super aggressive trying to trade up and grab them, maybe that's a move that starts to make me be like, all right, but why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the team really needs they need shooting, they need creators. You know yeah. that that's what they and they mostly need guards and wings. You know, I, I I I'm a believer in drafting talent over need in the draft, but mm-hmm. the Knicks after this year, have kind of advanced past the point of you just take BPA no matter what because, you know, yeah. you just need talent on this team. They're now to the point where, like, there is talent on the team. There's there's RJ, there's Julius Randle, obviously. There's Mitchell Robinson when he gets healthy. Um, you know, there's Emmanuel Quickly, who hopefully will keep developing as a, you know, combo guard for the backcourt. You know, there's a good amount of talent on this team already that you can now build around. And now I think you can – this team is the fourth seed in the playoffs, right or wrong, you know, with how things went. It happened. That was a I real was, thing. You know, it was a smidge fluky. You know, obviously they weren't better than the Hawks, who are now in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know. But they were good enough to be certainly in that four to six range. I definitely think they were better yeah. than the Celtics, better than, you know, the the Pacers or any of those other teams that were down in the, the Wizards, whatever, any of those teams. So – they are a team that should be looking to upgrade and, and draft for the things that they need at this point, as well as sign guys. So yeah, my, my basic strategy is just don't be stupid, I guess, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, particularly in the draft. And I don't think they will be last year. You know, they, I was kind of, I don't know how I felt after the draft last year. I, I, I thought it was very uh, crafty how they managed to move themselves up like eight cumulative picks between their first and second round pick without uh, trading anything. Like they literally just moved up eight spots by trading for the 23rd pick and then trading back again for a a first rounder and a second rounder that were both higher than the ones they started with. That was incredible. I still can't believe they did that. Yeah. And you know, so those sort of moves make me think that they're probably not going to be super stupid. Um, and, and, you know, there's you can question the decision making process that went into the quickly pick, certainly based off like the your own article yeah. that came out where it kind of just seemed like it was just like <laughs> West wanted him. <laughs> Worldwide West was just like, he's my guy. Take him, take him, take him. take him. And just like yelled quickly his name enough times that he eventually got taken. Um, but it worked out, obviously. So, you know, I, I guess that bodes well for Leon Rose, the OB pick. I mean, I still I think if if you gave me the opportunity to go back in time and do the draft over again, as much improvement as Obi made, 
I wouldn't have taken him a second time. Um, I, I think I it's tough to like, look, I love Obi Toppin. I'm sure you love Obi Toppin mm-hmm. for us to be like, yeah, for sure. We would pass on Halliburton and take Obi Toppin again. I I'm, I'm not sure I could sit here and not, not even just Halliburton. Like, I mean, I would have still taken Vassell over him, you know, which is a guy that I would have taken over him on, on draft night. Um, you know, it's just a matter of like, you know, they, I, I felt like that pick was very CAA focused. You know, it was a guy who, you know, Leon seemed to know pretty well, probably from prior to when he even signed with the Knicks, when they were talking to him, you know, behind the scenes about potentially becoming a CAA client. Yeah. You know, he probably knew him, his family already. And, and then, you know, his son was representing Obi. And I think it just turned into one of those situations where it was like, oh, that's our guy. That's our guy so, because, you know, X, Y, and Z. But so like Obi struggled, obviously, for much of mm-hmm. the year. I, I think impressed during the playoffs and and down the stretch of the season um, quickly, obviously was, was something of a revelation. We'll see where his ceiling is. Um, but what, what was always very apparent and very meaningful to me is that those two guys seemed from the outside looking in to be important to um, uh, get your, get your air quotes ready. Uh, the culture, right? Yeah. Um, this this Nick culture, this family dynamic, this whatever you want to say that they're that they're trying to build here that we all couldn't get enough of all year. And I'm like, I'm wondering now. Okay, so moving forward, I find myself as I'm thinking about like free agent targets, as I'm thinking about trade targets, I'm thinking about draft picks. Like, does that remain a paramount priority? Like, will they? be like, we're not bringing anyone in here unless we know they're a worker, they're a team guy, they're like, no, ca- like, well, I don't say character issues because like that gets into dicey territory, but like, you know what I mean, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I, I feel like that that's still going to be important. Um, but I also like, I wonder at some point, like if there's, if the talent is just too good, like, I, I don't know, do you, where do you stand on any of that? I mean, I think that's definitely going to be a priority for them, but Honestly, out of every draft class, you know, how many guys don't come in as workers, I guess would be my thing. I know that that's always listed as a priority and whatever, but how many guys could you realistically say from any given draft class? Like, oh, that guy was a bum. Like that guy (laughs) just didn't work hard. And those guys usually slip, you know, as a result. So you'll see guys that, you know, have all the talent in the world, but slip because they just don't have the drive or whatever. And teams can see that, like even just from workouts and interviews and everything else. So, yeah, I think they'll keep they'll keep prioritizing that but i mean that's not to say that like if that was their priority last year there was you know 20 other guys they could have taken other than obi that are also hard workers you know it's, that were not represented by caa or that, that were not represented by caa you know yeah. Vassell or halberton he mentioned or you know any one of a number of other guys he could have taken that were also hard workers also had skills also you know did whatever so yeah i do think they're going to keep prioritizing that though and what team doesn't you know what team is like you know I want to be the team that takes a chance on this guy who might, you know, maybe not not a, not a worker, but like, I don't, there just seemed to be like a level of, I don't even want to say buy-in. Like there was something in the water this year. hmm. And I feel like Obi and quickly contributed to that. Now, is that like the results made that the case or is it, they made the results? Like, you know what I mean? I think that, I mean, I think Obi helps add to that. I think every player did though. You know what I mean? Like RJ's a maniacal worker too. 
Um, <laughs> and, and we kind of always knew like right from the start that he was going to be a Tibbs guy. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I guess you have, you have guys like Knox that, you know, it's like it, what's the result of Knox not getting better than he has already. Is it, is it that he doesn't focus on the right things to work on? Is it that, He's not working hard enough. I don't think it's that. I actually think he's a pretty damn hard worker based off I, everything we've seen. I agree. Um, you and know, Tim so, said that before the season. He said he showed up in great condition or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. So, I mean, I think everybody basically bought in. I think the coach has to do a lot with that, you know, and there are going to be some guys that would break that mold. So that's probably why the Knicks were, like, reluctant to take a stab at, like, Kevin Porter Jr., for example. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a Knicks guy. You know, no. and good for Houston that he seems to be working out. But like, there was a very good chance that he was, he he's like a ticking time bomb. You know, like it could could work or it could not work depending on how things go. And you know, if things if Houston say wins the lottery and Kate Cunningham comes there and suddenly he's the number one option, you know, is Kevin Porter Jr. going to have his like like Dennis Smith moment next year <laughs> of when Doncic got to Dallas to yeah. being like all of a sudden, you know, it seems like he doesn't care as much anymore. And, you know, he's angling to get out of there already because he wants to be a number one option when on any team, that's not the worst team in the league, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. is not going to be a number one option period. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think that the Knicks gravitate towards guys like that, but that said, I think there's only a handful of those guys in every draft. I would say the overwhelming majority of guys are like good culture guys, you know, at least if you handle them properly, if you handle anyone not the right way and don't put them in a good place, to succeed, then they might not end up that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly guys like that. Like I would, you mentioned Sexton before and like, like I, I think that Sexton is kind of one of those guys that maybe breaks the culture a little bit because there's yeah. been reports, you know, that he gets taunts like from other teams, players even, or like other players on the Cavs get taunts from yeah. the other team about like, Oh, you're never going to see the ball because yeah. Sexton's on your team, you know? He's got a rep. Um, and that's just like, I think that, I think that's just kind of the type of guy that the Knicks probably will look to avoid. Like, well, I don't really see them taking chances on those sort of guys, but they're so, they're so few and far between. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You mentioned Sexton. He's an interesting name for me, and I don't. I don't want to talk about Colin Sexton necessarily, but like, so you know, inevitably this this summer will will there will be talk of you know can the Knicks get a star and. We'll, we'll talk about it because that's what you talk about in the NBA. And like, I'm, I'm wondering in the front office, I'm wondering how high their standards are. I was, I was about to say still are, but then again, I don't, that would imply that I knew that they were always high. Like, for, here's what I mean. Like, yes, obviously if, um, you know, uh, Zion demands a trade or Dame demands a trade, like those are easy those are easy guys to, to rally behind and be like, yes, we, we want those players. But like, you know, you have your, your Ben Simmons now and like, well, Bradley Beal's pretty good. He's a, a level above that, but he's like a level below those other guys. And then you have guys like, like a Sexton or I'm, I'm trying to think of like some other, like um, not that he's on the market, but like De'Aaron Fox, like guys who there's all manner of stars in the league or guys who there was a perception that like this guy could maybe potentially become a star. How uh, to use a term that the young people use, how thirsty do you think this, this Knicks front office is to get like a name in here? Um, or do you think like they're just going to be content for like potentially another season being like, look, we'll sign whoever we could sign a free agency you know, whether it's Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, we'll draft whoever we're going to draft. Um, but if we go another year without getting a quote-unquote name in here, like that's cool with us. Like we don't need to make the splash. Do you think they're cool with not making a splash for another year? I think so. I mean, if you look at how they handled it this past year, I mean, obviously things worked out a lot better than we thought they might, but I don't think that they would look at, you know, they, with this past year they gave Tibbs basically – a bargain bin roster. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, you know, yeah. other than Randall, who obviously turned things around as well as he did, but so he outplayed his contract. RJ had a really good development in his second year. And then, you know, quickly gave you a lot more than you thought he was going to uh, as a rookie, I think, especially under Tibbs, you know, you get Rose on the cheap midway through the season yeah. and he played so well, but by and large, they, they had a bargain bin and you could even consider Rose kind of picked off the scrap heap. I mean, it's not like he was doing bad with Detroit, but he was clearly checked out. His stats weren't as good. No. You know, he, he could have reasonably assumed like, yeah, he's probably going to be kind of a shell of himself. And instead he came and was like, it was probably his best season since like his Chicago days, if we're being honest, this half season. Yeah. I mean, the, the numbers were as good, I think in like the last Minnesota year, but like that team, that was the Jimmy Butler like shit show year. So like the stakes yeah. weren't nearly as high. So yeah, I, I would, I would make that argument. Yeah. And, and, you know, even if it's the best year since then, whatever, it was a good, great year for him. But, you know, by and large, this was like a, a bargain bin team. So I think that they would probably look at this and say, well, if we can't get the guy this offseason, if we can get some guys, maybe just shoot for slightly better, you know, free agent acquisitions and stuff this year than last year. May, I'm not saying necessarily do it the quite to the level the Hawks did with committing like long-term money and stuff, but do something similar to that where you say, okay, you know, Randall's really good, but he needs help, but they don't necessarily all have to be LeBron James's, you know, or Durant's or Irving's or, or James Harden's, you know, if we can get there with some Bogdanovich type guys and some, um, 
you know, guys of that caliber, uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter, who they, they drafted, obviously, you know, maybe that's the equivalent there's RJ Barrett or whatever, but either way, you know, you add a couple guys like that. And then all of a sudden, if you just add a little more shooting and a little more creation so that then let's say you're in a series with the Hawks again, and Reggie Bullock can't be one-on-one deed up by Trey yeah. Young anymore. That would have made all the difference, you know, and maybe, maybe the solution there was just playing Burks more in that series. And maybe that would have, change things around but i think that you probably need someone better than burks um yeah i no, i, I think we, we i think burks um after game one not got exposed i just think he we we were reminded why he was available for one year and six and a half million dollars or whatever six million dollars because yeah. like he's not he, the most consistent guy you know he runs hot and cold yeah so you needed hot burks you got so. cold burks you know and <laughs> yeah. um yeah hot but, burks for one game That's- yeah exactly but so like you know i think that they just if they can make moves like that, then you position yourself well for if that big guy comes along anyway, like Jeremy, who everybody who listens to the show is super familiar with, obviously just wrote a really good thing for the Strickland like yep. last week about, about whether the Knicks should, you know, not be afraid to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit, but in a different way. Like, so instead of keeping all the cap space available until, you know, mysterious star X comes along, seems like the way of the world now kind of is stars demand trades out of their current situation and you get yeah. them so that you can then extend them or whatever, you know, they, they want more flexibility. They want the ability to have the extension or the, you know, hit free agency and get a contract that way. But, but, what, you know, but hold on. Can I, can I stop you for one sec? Cause you just sure. said, or hit free agency and get a contract that way. I for a little while now have wondered to myself and maybe occasionally allowed on this podcast, if we're done with the days of like, Oh, it's the summer of LeBron. Where is he going to pick? Like, are we now in an era where it's just like these guys before they ever get to that point are going to just be like, all right, now is now you're going to trade me. Um, And like, I'm not saying there's never going to be another big free agent again, but I feel like the NBA maybe to a certain extent is, is evolving past that. I I guess it depends on what their money situation is. Right. Like, I think if guys are eligible for supermax contract extensions, they'll want to get out earlier and get to their new team by the time that so, it, it's time to sign the extension. So, but so theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 NBA voting works as it should, and of course it always does, if if you make an All NBA team, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be a top 15 player in the league, and mm-hmm. by the same token, if you're a top 15 player in the league, you should make an All NBA team at some point over the last several years of your contract at that point, you can be offered a supermax extension. So, well, no, you could be offered a, a, a max extension. You could be offered a lot of money. Yeah. So, so the difference being right, the, the supermax, the, like the bonkers, like that's only if the team drafted you. Yes. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't believe so. No. Cause uh, I, I think that you can get, the $200 million one, if it's not from your original team, I could there, be wrong about that. Um, there, think, if, if you were, if you were, uh, I think it has to do with rights transferal. So if yeah, you're still if you like were on traded your original, during the rookie yeah. contract. Yeah. So if, yeah. Or something like that. But um, yeah. So maybe that's how we see that sort of thing. Start. I, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it, but basically like, I think, if these guys, you know, in many cases now, because of how the CBA is written, because they're trying to keep guys in their, in their market where they're currently playing, 
you know, it becomes more advantageous to sign an extension in some cases for these players than it is to, well, um, to sign as a free agent, you know, for, so they can get more the, money. Forget the supermax angle. Of yeah. it. Just talk mm-hmm. about max extensions, right? Yeah. So even it take, it takes the all NBA part out of it. Just if a player is eligible to sign a max extension and the player says no, mm-hmm. they're going to get traded now. Unless mm-hmm. I guess you want to give me the Giannis situation, but then again, who knows if like the Bucks would have traded Giannis like last summer if he didn't decide to extend, which he obviously did. Like, I just feel like our teams, maybe it's not up to the players, maybe it's more up to the teams. Like our teams, once they get that first big signal from a player, like, no, I'm not extending yet. Mm-hmm. Like, aren't they just going to trade the guy? And I and I say this un- knowing that, like, yes, Kawhi Leonard could technically become a free agent this season, but like that feels like a weird scenario because no one thinks he's going anywhere. One and two, it's the weird situation where he's like one of the three or four players in in the league that could like break his leg tomorrow, and some team will still give him all the money in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just feel like we're there's a long winded way of saying I think we're entering a, a stage where it's going to be more trades than signings. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's been trending that way. I think every once in a while you're going to have the situations where the stars will align, but by and large, it's going to be trades. Because remember, like prior to 2019, that was kind of how things were going too. Yeah, you know, it was mostly trades, you know, and guys were uniting that way. And then 2019 rolls around, the stars aligned. There was just the right amount of guys, but even 2019 yeah. wasn't quite as star-studded as everybody thought it was going to be. Um, and then, you know, you have Durant and Irving and, and Kemba Walker and all those guys become free agents in one summer. I think so, I think it's just going to kind of roll like that, where unless there's like, unless guys plan and see a giant opportunity for them to like all become free agents in the same season and like change the course of the entire NBA, they're going to force player movement via trades. And teams, to your point, I think are more looking towards getting off of guys sooner and collecting assets for them rather than, you know, waiting to just let them walk for nothing and, you know, get absolutely nothing out of it except for just, you know, a lottery pick the next year because they suck so bad. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, and then you, obviously you have teams that handle it right and teams that handle it wrong. Like, like the Thunder handled it right. The Rockets probably not so did not. No. <laughs> they passed up on like three really good young players that they could have gotten on the team in favor of getting Oladipo, who they basically traded for nothing. Uh, you know, so it's like, it's still on the team to figure it out and get it right from there. But yeah, I, I think that's the way that teams want to go is to start trading their guys once they know, like, and players, you know, to to that point have been, I think, a lot, a lot more bold about being very vocal, like publicly about, I want out. You know, yeah. it's... You, you know that when some of these stories come out, that it's literally straight from the well, lips of their agent to the reporter. <laughs> Zion, Zion just finished his second year. Mm-hmm. And that, what was the, I forget what the exact wording of the piece, but. And Doncic's like, third, you know, both those guys, very similar. Yeah. Well, but that just didn't go all the way. It was more I, I like. Think, I, think respect- I think they have different motivations, but they're guys For that are sure, trying absolutely. to trying to shape their own destinies. Where I think Doncic legitimately likes the Mavs and wants to stay there for his career. Yes. And wants to have a big say in how they run things. Whereas yes. I think Zion is trying to sow the seeds of discord of like, figure this out or I'm out. I'll find he's, some way. He's laying the fucking tracks 
right now. And that yeah. was very clear from that article. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I can do, I, I'll, I'll, do you have a, a thought on my, my hot take from last week was that I think at some, we are going to see in the next couple of years, a player of a, well, no one's really Zion in terms of like young, exciting talent or whatever, but like someone like really that good is basically going to force their way out of a situation before their rookie contract is up. If it was going to be anyone, it would probably be Zion. I mean, if you, you think, think about it, uh, he's the one guy that I think could pull it off. Um, I, so here's yeah. the thing, right? Is that you need a certain level of certain level of power in that situation. You need yeah. to be able to say like, I can absorb the hit of taking the qualifying offer. And so basically in Zion's case, I mean, the play here would be basically to do the Porzingis move, but actually with more legs behind it. You know what I mean? Like Zion could legitimately, like, I don't think anybody in their right mind believed that Porzingis was actually going to take the qualifying offer because you're injured. You're, you know, you're coming off an injury that's taking you a year and a half to heal from, yeah. you know, and you haven't played a game, you know, in a season and a half by the time that you're signing this extension. There were very few teams in the league probably that were comfortable giving him the contract that Dallas did, which was the fully guaranteed max rookie extension. I, you know, yeah, I think you could argue that there were definitely less than half. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But then, you know, they gave the Knicks a decent trade package and that's why the Knicks ultimately did it because they were like, well, you know, it's not worth dealing with this, this standoff potentially. And yeah. if he did sign the QO, then your leverage goes through the, through the floor because then he gets a no trade clause. He can literally he, veto anything. He was um, successfully. Well, I mean, the Porzingis situation was unique because there was motivations on both sides, but I think the key is for the player to be able to convince the team Mm-hmm. that he will sign the qualifying offer. Because if he yeah. can't convince the team that he's going to sign the qualifying offer, then it takes away a lot of leverage. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then, you know, in terms of Zion, Zion's like totally different. Like Zion, you know, has everything going for him. He's like already starting to make a case for one of the best players in the league. Certainly one of the best scorers, you know, and he hasn't yeah. even figured out his outside jumper yet. No. Um, he, you know, ha- he's, Got like a his first shoe deal was like five years, 75 million or something. You know, he's gonna get double that probably on his next one. <laughs> you know, so I, he's I got, don't even want to think about what, yeah, he's got max contract money, you know, oozing from him for just sneaker appeal, and that's not even every other endorsement, yeah. you know. And then his rookie contract, because of how high rookie contracts are now, is actually paying him something like I think it's like. 50 million through his first four years and yeah. will, you know, his qualifying offer, I think will be something like 16, 17 million. Yeah, so it's, not, like 17, yeah. it's not a small amount of money. So he could pretty easily, like from a financial standpoint, be like, look, I can absorb the finance. He's exactly that guy that you're talking about, like with Kawhi a second ago, right? Like he, there's no risk for him with taking the qualifying offer because even if he like tore his ACL or something, someone's going to pay him. 20 teams will be lined up to pay him. After that, deal. if you're if you're a fucking Cleveland, well, maybe Cleveland's a bad example because they did win a championship, but whatever. If you're, well, shit. If you're the Knicks, <laughs> or Detroit, or or no, yeah, Charlotte, or whatever, yeah, you know, for, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, some team that's desperate to to find that like megastar, you know, you you take him regardless, and you say yeah. we'll figure it out. Like it's freaking Zion Williamson, so he would be the first guy that like if he's truly unhappy with Griffin and the front office there and everything else, and like if they don't nail this coaching hire, well, and and start, you know, getting his his supporting cast right and all that stuff, like 
yeah, he might be the first guy to do it. How do you think he feels is a rhetorical question, but like, because uh, we know the answer. How do you think he feels watching Trey Young get every ounce of, and well-deserved, national praise and attention and love from all corners of the NBA universe, mm-hmm. and he couldn't even, like, that team couldn't even get into the plan. So well, that's, even that, even yeah. like Doncic, I feel like would be the more apt comparison for him, right? Like, they're oh, the yeah, ones sure. that out of their draft class are considered like the generational ones. Right. And even Doncic made the playoffs and at least got his moment, even in a loss in seven games to put his stamp on the playoffs and be like, here's something to start adding to my legacy, you know, like Jordan style. Like he had basically with, with the way that he played this year, he had almost like his uh, Jordan dropping uh, 60 on the Celtics kind of moment. You know what I mean? And Zion Um, knows if he doesn't make the playoffs next year and I don't Maybe he doesn't care about this. Maybe he does, but he knows people are going to start being like, well, Zion's supposed to be the next great generational talent. And now we're three years in and he, his team can't even get into the playoffs. And he has an, and, and he has an all-star co-star, you know, in exactly. Brandon yeah. Ingram. You yeah. Know, the, it, all the pressure in the world. I'm fascinated to see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's finish up here. Cause I, I got to run soon. Um, we are currently, let, oh, let me take a step back. I think if you, if we had ranked, maybe a week or two ago, maybe our opinions have changed since then, but like there was, let me rephrase it. There was an argument at some point, not too long ago, maybe within the last few weeks that Giannis Antetokounmpo, based on how he had performed through parts of the playoffs, Trey Young, Paul George, um, and actually Booker and uh, uh, and, uh, Chris Paul, We'll leave Kawhi out of it. Those five guys, that none of those five guys would you put in your list of top 10 players in the NBA. Now, obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo has won two straight MVPs. So how could I sit here and say he's not? Well, from the perspective of like during some of those Brooklyn games, it at least made you ask the question, like, is he really one of the 10 guys that I want on the floor right now to like win me this basketball game? And you had to start going through the list in your head. And these are, the, these are the guys that are representing the final four teams in the league right now. Um, again, with all due respect to anybody who, who uh, is thirsty for a star, I'm wondering, like, to what you said a few minutes ago about the Knicks just having, like, a really good, solid offseason. Mm-hmm. Like, is it – I'm not saying that they could win the championship that way next year, but, like, it, how crazy is it to be like, so maybe Julius takes a small step up, RJ takes maybe a bigger step up, like quickly second year, Obi second year, who knows what they do in the draft. Like you add the right pieces. Like I, I'm, I feel like I could talk myself into that. Could, do you think how, 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 how cold is your Kool-Aid maybe is the question. I mean, I, I feel the same way. Like I think that you could, so I'll say this much. I don't necessarily know that I think that, or I don't necessarily think that the Knicks are going to take a step up in terms of like playoff seating. I think it was, Again, I already mentioned, I think it was like kind of, I don't, I don't want to call it a fluke. They really did. I mean, they played their asses off. Like the win streak was legit. Like they beat some good teams during that. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't a joke, but you know, it, it was a little fluky the way things went with injury and COVID. The Knicks really avoided the injury bug the whole year. And they've which, won with the, I would say with the exception of the Minnesota game that they blew, hmm. that they had a 19 point lead. I would actually argue that the Knicks won every game that they were quote unquote supposed to win. By and large, um, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. It and was, like, that's it really was probably one or two. Like, there was, like, the one Kings game earlier in the year, the one Thunder game earlier in the year. 
That's yeah. But, but that was like when things were like still like a little more shaky. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like towards the end of the season, they definitely won like every game they're supposed yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why we all talked ourselves into them being like potentially like Knicks and six over the Hawks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do think, you know, so moves that I think could take them really up the next level would be like you add obviously Kawhi Leonard makes him a championship contender. Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul makes them a, a real like Easter conference finals contender, I think. And neither of those guys are top five player needle movers. Like what you're saying, like those are not guys that are, that I would consider top five at all at this point in their career, regardless of whatever narratives of Chris Paul this year of like, Oh, he, you know, he should have been top three in MVP voting. I, I never bought that for a second. He's really good. And he organizes the team really well, but like, from a skill perspective, he's not a top five player. Well, just like you could have argued that Julius Randle should have been fifth or sixth yeah. in the MVP voting. No one thinks yeah. he's a top five or six player in the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it, but he was the most valuable to his team. So that yes. you know, that's that's always the the weird nature of that award. It is but, not an award. Um, at any rate, like you know, I think you could add some guys, and you might not add superstars. Even you consider them at this point, you know, just like normal stars. I guess a guy like that could potentially keep the Knicks at least level, you know, keep them as that like four seed, maybe let them knock at the three seed potentially next year, depending on how things shake down, depending on how the Sixers decide to handle their situation and all that stuff. Um, They might see some regression as, you know, if they trade Ben Simmons for some other player and then they've got to integrate that guy. And we've seen how that all works. You know, sometimes that leads to a lackluster regular season for a team. Plus, you never know about injuries and this, that, and the other. So, yeah. you know, maybe maybe making a move like that moves them up or at least keeps them the same. But I think you could – I think you could just make some marginal improvements and the team will play about as good as they did this year. Maybe that ends up putting you at the five seed or even the six seed, which would be fine. But I think as long as the Knicks make the playoffs and continue, like, showing that they're a competent team, the big move will show up at some point. Um, and and I don't does. think – yeah, and I don't think that – well, it always does for every team but the Knicks because the Knicks never <laughs> have sustained competence. You know, that's the problem. It, yes. So if you show a few years of competence, someone's going to take notice and say, I want to go win in New York. Like, there are guys that like to t- that want to take that challenge somewhere in the NBA. I don't mm-hmm. know who it is just yet, but someone wants to do that. Someone wants to come mm-hmm. to New York and win. Maybe we'll, um, maybe we'll find out sooner than we realize. But yeah. Exactly. Maybe it'll happen as soon as this offseason for all we know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even if they don't make that sort of move this offseason, I, I do think that they could with even like a Mike Conley or something. You know, if you can have a platoon of Mike Conley and Derrick Rose. It's, it's maybe not that, a crazy name. No. And, you know, that's not a cra- someone that would probably cost a max contract or anything either. And if you get him on a relatively affordable contract, it would be very tradable in like a big package for like salary matching purposes for someone down the line. But that can make the team better. Um yeah. I, I think I'm setting my expectation at sl- like roughly the same or maybe slight regression next year mm. as far as like winning percentage is concerned and stuff. Because um, I think we're also going to have to see like if the Knicks don't make a ton of personnel moves, I think that the Hawks series revealed a lot about how to beat the Knicks. Um, yeah, and, for sure. And I, and I think teams were taking notes and they'll come into next season more ready to stop the Knicks as they I played mean, this past year. So, yeah, but, but, you know, as Tibbs always said, playoffs are different. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think in general, these playoffs have really revealed 
you know, I'm not breaking any ground by saying like, you need shot creation, you need, mm-hmm. you know, needle movers, you got, you know, you need guys who create matchup advantages in the pick and roll. And obviously you have gravity behind the arc and like, yeah, they didn't have a lot of that stuff. So teams are getting so creative to like, it's been kind of eye opening to me watching this postseason, just how creative teams are getting. Like, I, I don't know if it's just me, maybe just that because the Knicks were in it, like I find that I'm paying a little more attention to the playoffs this year, but um, it, I'm it, paying a lot of attention. Yeah, it just kind of seems mostly because it's like scouting for future years, trying to be like, oh, who are the Knicks going to be facing next year, hopefully. Um, but I, I feel like the schemes this playoffs have gotten so much more like advanced to me. Like it just seems like it, it used to be, you know, the formula was you have a couple of shot creators and a bunch of shooting around them. Like that's how LeBron won mm-hmm. the championship in Cleveland. And that was like the LeBron model for years was, was – you know, as long as you've got LeBron and a bunch of dudes that can shoot around him, LeBron drives in, he kicks, that guy shoots, that's it. The Knicks, like, had that. They had Julius Randle yeah. and and had basically that model, and yet then you saw a team in the Hawks that was able to totally neutralize that by throwing all these different, you know, shading shading Capella over towards him um, because they didn't have to take, you know, they, they weren't taking the lob quite as seriously, which, granted, maybe you add Mitchell Robinson, and that is a totally different situation. Yeah. Um, but then guys like Bullock, who previously were like playoff hero types, you know, like the Danny Green type, you know, like the spot up shooter. Those have been like killers in the playoffs. And Danny Green can't handle the ball worth shit either, you know, just like Reggie yeah. Bullock. And he's been, you know, a killer in previous playoffs. And, you know, Bullock essentially got neutralized just because they were like, well, spot up shooting isn't enough anymore. Like you need a little more creation. You need a little more, you know, you need to be able to punish uh, the guy who's just sticking to you on the perimeter no matter what, because he knows that's all you can do. Um, and I, I think it's just, I don't know, it's been interesting to see this year, like how that's that's bled over into like Ben, and this isn't a new thing, obviously, like Ben Simmons getting completely played off the floor. No, uh, it's like, know, and that sort of thing. It's been nice for Milwaukee to have a guy like, I can't even bring this guy up, Pat Connaughton, who mm. can keep you honest from deep. Mm-hmm. But he could also put the ball on the floor and like get into. He could the slash inside, lane. yeah. And he mm-hmm. could make a he could make the the pass so that's there to be made. Like he mm-hmm. can do those three things. Mm-hmm. Um, that means you have a guy that you could be that could be on the floor for you. You know, at the end of these games. But obviously, you need you know incremental improvements over that. And and you know, it's like you you need your Kevin Herter or, or mm-hmm. you know your Bogdanovich. Or Bogdanovich, yeah. yeah. Bogdanovich has been the guy in this playoffs that I'm like. I feel like every team is going to be thirsting for a Bogdanovich now, like a guy who's, who's low profile, you know, who's not going to command that huge salary, but can make shots for you, can put the ball on the floor a little bit, you know, and and maybe now the Bogdanovich model of player is going to start commanding bigger salaries. Like maybe he's the last of his kind of these guys that like have been sort of overlooked to this point. Can can you, can you run a pick? Pick and roll, and mm-hmm. can you hit from behind the arc? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Seth Curry, if he yeah. was a free agent this offseason, might have made himself like a lot of money. A large number of dollars, yeah. A exactly. large number of dollars if, yeah. if he had the opportunity to do so because he could do those two things, um, even though he got uh, exploited, obviously, on the other end. Um, all right, this was fun. Um, I could talk I, – I say this every time we, we record together. I could talk basketball with you for, for uh, a lot longer. And we but, have. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will. When I will be yeah, on will. Locked On Knicks uh, in a few days, I guess. Yep. Um, 
before I let you go, tell, even though we've talked about it already, tell, tell the folks at home where they could find you. Yeah. So you can check out the locked on Knicks podcast, obviously uh, available everywhere. Podcasts are sold except for, uh, it's the, uh, SoundCloud. I don't think we're on SoundCloud, but everywhere else, Spotify, Apple, yeah. Google, I think, I think it's not, SoundCloud's like the, uh, the redheaded stepchild. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, if, you know, that's for, that's for people that are, that are just starting out, not big timers like you and me. Right? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> so check out locked on Knicks, uh, typically have five episodes a week. We've been, uh, uh sometimes on four or so lately, but we're starting to get into the flow of things with the draft Slacker. and everything. Yeah. Slacker. Right. I know only four podcasts a week. Um, and then check out the Strickland uh, at the Strickland on Twitter, uh, the strict.land on the web browser. Again, just started our draft coverage in earnest. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great stuff coming from, we have some really smart draft people that kind of like are like our, uh, our, our draft coverage cicadas. They hide in waiting all year and then finally come out right at draft season, come out and just bombard you with draft coverage. So me, me and Prez have been uh, DMing about prospects over the last week or so. That's really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. So there's Prez, uh, Nick's draft, um, who's on Twitter, uh, uh, Tyrese London, um, Stacy Patton yeah. has been doing some draft stuff. Lots of great stuff. Plus I think I'm going to take place in our giant mock draft again, which was so fun last year. It was like a free for all where we each got assigned a couple teams and Oh, for locked made- on, right? No, no, for uh, uh, Locked On, I'm going to have to do as well. But the Strickland one, we each got assigned a few different teams. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then it was just a free-for-all of making trades. It was basically like a giant fantasy draft, but it was fun. We had we had a fun time arguing with each other and shit-talking about why our teams were best and whatever. We're definitely going to try to bring that back this year, too. Cool. Uh, so lots of really great stuff coming up at Strickland, so definitely check that out. Um, like I said... Hardest working man in show business. Game, game recognizes game. I know the I know the time and the energy and the passion you put into every single thing that you do. It shows in the Strickland. It shows in Locked On. It shows in everything. Uh, you are um, the man, the myth, the legend. Alex Wolf. always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, go check out his stuff. And everybody out there, um, thanks for checking out another episode of the show. We'll be back with you very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.